On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look into the recent power explosion and a potential new closer. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, June 2nd, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Michael Beller. And another day of dingers and uh, double dinger performances, no less. Uh, or as you termed it uh, earlier this morning, it's Wednesday Wowzers. Uh, <laughs> So I, like I don't know what else a, you called the seven or eight or six, whatever it was, two homer games we have. It feels just like, hey, Wednesday, Wowzers, let's do it. Yeah, and I think all those were just in one game, too. So uh, <laughs> we will get to all the Wowzers, uh, but we'll start with uh, a bit of an uh-oh moment here. Fernando Tatis Jr. leaving the Padres game on Tuesday at the Cubs with an oblique injury. Uh, so I imagine at some point on Wednesday we'll know more about this, but... Um, what can you say? Just cross your fingers and hope for the best uh, for uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, not unexpected that Jack Flaherty has been placed on the IL with an oblique strain. Uh, so hopefully that will not be Tatis's uh, fate in the, the coming uh, days. Uh, Ramon Laureano to the IL with a hip injury. Kyle Lewis to the IL with a torn meniscus. And Steven Strasburg, he left his Tuesday start in the second inning. The initial reports were that it had possibly something to do with taking a comebacker off the glove, but it looks like it's actually a, a trapezius uh, injury. He will have an MRI and we will know more soon. But Michael, uh, while we wait for those developments, uh, any interest in a potential replacement? Austin Voth came in and relieved Strasburg, pitched well in that game. He's generally pitched pretty well in relief this year. Or Eric Fetty, who's currently on the COVID-19 IL, but was in the rotation earlier this year. So as potential replacements, any interest in either Voth or Fetty? Not really. If you're going after a starting pitcher as a replacement for a starting pitcher, you are thinking of them as someone who could stick around your roster, right? And I would just rather use that spot in the short term for streamers, maybe for a high leverage, high K, non-closer reliever. I think there are better ways you can use that than on someone like Voth or Fetty, I would want to see them a couple of times, maybe even just one time through the rotation before I really bought in on them as someone who can be on my team for months-long stretches. All right. Well, uh, we'll continue on here with the health and injury updates. Mike Yastrzemski, he has a right thumb sprain, uh, but no word yet as to whether or not that's going to require an IL stint. Trevor Story, of course, who's already on the IL with an elbow injury. He had an MRI, and uh, the good news there, no structural damage revealed. And some good news for Zach Gallen. He is back to throwing bullpen sessions. He threw a 30-pitch session on Tuesday, so maybe we see him in a few weeks. Obviously, Gallen has a way to go there still. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, he's been shut down for at least a few days with slight shoulder discomfort. Evan Longoria has been diagnosed with a mild intercostal strain. And let's go with the closer development of the day. Uh, this one's a, a bit of a mixed bag, Michael, because it involves the Orioles. They finally snapped their losing skid, and Cole Solcer got the save in that Orioles win on Tuesday. Um, so he's pitched really well so far this year. Uh, Cesar Valdez has definitely not pitched well enough to keep that job. 
But are there enough opportunities there in Baltimore to make this a priority? I think there's enough or there's few enough opportunities on your waiver wire right now to make this an opportunity when it comes to picking up saves. You know, Solcer has been the best reliever for the Orioles in the bullpen. You include last night, you're looking at a guy with a 1.74 ERA, a 1.02 whip and 32, 32 Ks, excuse me, in 20 and two thirds innings. If I didn't tell you uh, who I was talking about, you would assume like, you would assume that's a closer. You would assume that's someone who has been closing all season, who worked his way into a closer role. It's just taken a little bit of time here for Solcer. But I think that, you know, the few and far between opportunities uh, being part of the equation here aren't enough to push you away from him. I, I think he should get an extended run as Baltimore's closer for the time being. All right, so another name to add to the list uh, if you are looking for saves. All right, let's look at some of the other performances from Tuesday. Uh, And, you know, when we talk about standouts, usually it's positive, but occasionally we talk about players that have stood out in a not-so-positive way. And I would put Michael Pineda in that category. Um, You know, not a good performance in that game against the Orioles, just going three innings, five runs on seven hits, and only one strikeout for Pineda. And, you know, normally, Michael, I would probably just ignore this as, you know, just an off start for somebody. Everybody goes through that no matter how good they are. But uh, I saw a tweet from my former CBS colleague, Chris Towers, uh, a few days back. And I think he was advising somebody to, you know, maybe sell on on Pineda or avoid him because the peripherals weren't good. And this was one that kind of fell between the cracks for me. but he has been allowing a lot of contact on pitches in the zone, giving up homers. Uh, is is it a, a sell-high opportunity? Maybe less of a high uh, after the start, but uh, should we be worried? I think we should be worried. I don't. All trade discussions are, you know, they're hard to evaluate uh, without any context, right? So yeah. I'm not saying, I would say that you're not going out there and just trying to unload Pineda. But it does feel like he's pitching above his head and contact in the zone and those sorts of issues really um, you know, can be things that can force a guy into a bad run of starts here. So I do think that Pineda is someone who I at least wouldn't be you know, clutching very close to my chest. I would make him available at the very least. All right. And it's time again to talk about John Gant. We do this about every five no days. Sense. No sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I even left him out of the uh, on, on the Tuesday episode. Left him out of our streamer discussions because uh-huh. I knew what your answer was going to be. It's the Dodgers. I thought, well, okay, if you're not willing to touch Gant against lesser competition, we're not even going to have this discussion. So what does he do? He goes out and throws six uh, scoreless innings against the Dodgers, but still walks three batters. So uh, same story for you. Still not still not buying. Four hits. I mean, this one was actually pretty impressive, right? If you just look at it from a from a straight up base runners allowed um, perspective, this was uh, a pretty good one. And up against that Dodgers lineup, I'm still not very interested. I'm still not buying. But um, I, you know, we do have to get to a point where we accept some sort of uh, what he's doing as a skill that he has. I'm just not at that point yet, and I uh, just think he's still walking between the raindrops that you can't walk this many guys and strike out this few guys and have success for as long as John Gant has his whip is over one and a half I mean it's just it can't possibly last a 1.52 whip and a 1.60 ERA I mean that's just that is outrageous and so uh yes I am still singing the same song on John Gant this can't possibly last there is a reckoning coming for him and it's coming soon 
<laughs> uh, it's uh, Shades of Andrew Kashner from a few years ago who managed to pull off a similar act for uh, for an entire season. But, uh, you know, I, I I do appreciate the the process and think it's a good one. Um, Jesus Lazardo, we've been talking about him. He is in the, the bullpen now for the Athletics. And uh, really, really great relief performance against the Mariners uh, going three scoreless innings with six strikeouts. So, you know, Michael, you had said that you thought that if he even stays in this role for a while, he could have value and looking like he's uh, delivering possibly uh, uh, on that uh, on that promise. But let's go to the hitters. Let's go to the wowzers here. <laughs> Lots of two home run performances. I actually want to start off with a couple of hitters who didn't hit two home runs <laughs> on Tuesday and then we'll get to the others. But Tony Kemp hit just one measly home run uh, against That's the fun. Mariners. <laughs> but he went three for four, did uh, also hit a double. So very nice game for Kemp. Uh, and you look at his line now, 280, 386, 427. Not that much power, but getting on base a ton. And now with uh, Ramon Laureano out, uh, I would think that Kemp stands to gain some playing time. And, and not just even necessarily against righties. I mean, this was, uh, you know, start against um, Marco Gonzalez. So, um I don't know. OBP leagues. I, I think it's time, especially there, to really think about picking Kemp up. I agree. OBP leagues, I think, is a good spot for him. You know, he's going to uh, make some havoc on the base paths. And you hit ninth in that uh, Oakland lineup, which is where we would expect him to be most of the time. You're going to be – he's hitting right in front of Mark Canna, Matt Olson, Jed Lowry. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to have some run scoring opportunities. Obviously, you don't like the fact that he's – getting one fewer plate appearance per game on average than the guys at the top of the order. But if he's getting on base, he can take advantage of that and score you some uh, decent amount of runs. So this is someone who I like kicking the tires on in deeper leagues. All right. And uh, Cedric Mullins, no home runs for him, but he did triple his third of the season, stole his ninth base. I just thought this is an opportunity to kind of sit back and, and look at what he's done so far over the first two months, hitting 299 with six homers. A lot of that was front loaded with a, a great April, but do you think that this is for real? Because I figured, you know, Mullins was a guy that maybe we could get some steals from, maybe some some good runs, uh, a good run total from him. But the batting average and the power were things we didn't really see in the minor leagues. But the batting average has kind of held up over his major league career so far. So looking ahead, I, where would you value this guy in 2022? I feel pretty good about him, to be honest, Al. You go back to last year, and uh, as you said, the, the batting average has held up decently well over his MLB career. Uh, 271 last year, supported by a 350 BABIP. He's got the 354 BABIP this season. So you combine those years, you're looking at about 400 plate appearances of about a 350 BABIP. Like, eventually we're going to have to take something of that at face value. And then you go back into his minor league career, he was the guy who always drew walks and didn't strike out too much. Last season, he had a 5.2% walk rate and a 24.2% K rate. It was reasonable to think, based on his minor league experience, that those numbers would come closer together. This year, the walk rate's at 9% and the K rate's down at 19.1%. I think this is just growth from a player who is getting now what will end up being his first you know, full 162-game major league season. So, yes, I, I'm buying. I'm believing. I think this is for real for Cedric, from Cedric Mullins. All right, and let's go to the two homer hitters. Uh, start with Sal Perez because... Uh, He's just having a phenomenal year. He is the number one roto catcher by a $5 margin in standard uh, 12 team leagues. Uh, it, it, the, the power is nothing new for him, but, uh, you know, like Mullins hitting for maybe a higher average than we expected. Uh, do we have a discussion now about who's the number one catcher in 2022? I don't think so, but 
This was more descriptive than predictive. Very fun season so far for Salvador Perez, however. <laughs> right. And I'll just run through the other two homer hitters and uh, any uh, players that you think are worth commenting on. Uh, feel free to comment. Andrew McCutcheon, Odubel Herrera, both against the Reds. And then that uh, Tigers-Brewers uh, game, four uh, hitters with uh, two homers. Tyrone Taylor, who was just recalled by the Brewers. Colton Wong with a couple homers. Jonathan Scope and Eric, and Eric Haas. Uh, so anybody there that is notable other than for hitting two home runs. I think it's just a fun day for those guys, and we should be moving on to the streamers here. <laughs> Let's And it's it's a small group of streamers. Um, a lot of pitchers that just aren't available on that Wednesday slate, but uh, a few who are. Spencer Howard and Vladimir Gutierrez pitching against each other, Phillies Reds, and then David Peterson for the Mets at Arizona. Uh, they'll be going with Madison Bumgarner. So Howard, Gutierrez, Peterson, anybody you like to stream here. Yeah, you know, the reason I'm most interested in Spencer Howard is because I think he's someone, he's the one guy in this trio who maybe sticks on your team beyond just this start. And maybe you don't play him every day, but we know what sort of pitcher he can be. Obviously, this is uh, you know one of the top prospects in the Philly system and has been for a while. He is now in their rotation. No more yo-yo for him back to the minors or pitching out of the bullpen. This is a guy who they are committed to as a starting pitcher. So I like that about him. I like that this is a nice little matchup against Cincinnati, but also that there might be some long-term appeal to Spencer Howard for the rest of the season. If I was inclined to go with a pitcher, I would let that be my guide. Even though I think the matchup for David Peterson's better, Howard's someone who I think maybe can stick on my team. So I would go for him first before I went for Peterson. All right. Yeah, that's uh, part of the calculation. So uh, it's good to good to bring that up. And let's just take a look at a few prospects who are uh, doing quite well. And these are, you know, high ranked, high, highly touted prospects. Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, batting only 233 so far at double A Northwest Arkansas, but seven home runs, six steals. That will definitely play. He is striking out a little bit more than a 30 percent rate. Riley Green for Double A Erie, two eighty four home runs, six deals for him, and Adley Rutschman, uh, the the Orioles' uh, former number one pick, batting two ninety three, a four sixty five on base percentage, and that goes with six home runs at Double A Bowie. So, uh, I know Wit, we had thought you know maybe he'd be up earlier this season. Um, Rutschman, what we weren't really expecting to see at all this season, but any expectations that Wit Green or Rutschman? will be fantasy relevant in redraft leagues in 2021 at some point. Yeah, Bobby Witt providing us with a little bit of a lesson here of not getting too enamored of players in minor league or in a spring training ball, especially if these are guys who haven't played at the high level of the minors. Keep that in mind for next season. With the way Rutschman's playing, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. Right? I mean, you were, you're right that we didn't necessarily expect to see him in 2021, but you know, Philly or Baltimore has you know no reason at this stage to not let him keep rising up the ranks. And maybe it gets so late in the season that they don't want to start that service time clock. But if he keeps hitting like this, uh, he's gonna he's definitely going to get to AAA. And if he can carry that over to AAA, I think there's a chance we see him at least in September. So definitely something fun to watch in the minor league portion of our uh, season here. Very, very cool. Yeah, really fun players to uh, to keep track of this year. And maybe we do see them later on. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And just ask that if you do have a moment to rate and review this podcast, we greatly, greatly appreciate uh, when you do take the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be right back here on Thursday. <laughs>